Hello there and welcome to episode 17 of the Hawthorns Debate Club. My name is Jamie Clay and I am joined every week by two gentlemen to have a few conversations and discussions about West Bromwich Albion. So let me start by saying a warm hello to my good friend Alex Collins. Hello. And hello to my little brother Joe Clay. Hello. So I need to start today's podcast with a big thank you for your patience this week. Obviously, the podcast is coming out a little bit later than normal. On Tuesday, rather than recording the podcast, my computer decided to implode. And consequently, that means you're getting a Thursday podcast. So we are a little bit closer to the weekend. So perhaps there will be a bit more of an end of the week vibe or flavor to the pod. But needless to say, thank you for sticking with us. International break always feels like a bit of an unforgettable given barren wasteland to me and so to navigate that landscape whilst being starved of your weekly dose of the debate club well done and we've come through it together I was worried that it may have caused some of you to tip over the edge, like that they would be rioting because the Hawthorne's Debate Club was a little bit late this week. But the panic is over. The crisis has been averted and we are back. And just once more to reiterate, I honestly cannot stand international break. So as well as blessing us with your endless patience, let me just add a huge thank you for downloading this week's podcast. Please continue to spread the word about the podcast. We love you and only ask that you love us back with unrivaled intensity and then also tell everyone you can about this high octane West Brom content. So on this week's show we'll be talking about all of the latest news and there's been a fair bit, some of it good, some of it not quite so good. We also rather excitingly have listener questions and we're going to have a look at some of those together and see what you guys are thinking about the season so far as well as moving on to one or other two bits of pieces before previewing our game coming up this weekend against Millwall. So we're going to start off tonight's Oh, tonight's, this week's podcast by looking at some news stories that have unfolded over the last week or so. But we're going to start with a bit of a sad one, a bit of a frustrating one for many Albion fans. Obviously, the other night it emerged that Dara O'Shea had been injured during the Republic of Ireland's game against Portugal, a game that wasn't without incident before that for Dara O'Shea, when he was involved in a little bit of a confrontation with Cristiano Ronaldo. But only a few minutes later, he was involved in an incident in which it, it was really obvious from the video footage that you could see see that his ankle was not in a good place and he seemed to land on it and it buckled and he was taken off immediately substituted off and then obviously later on from that now scans have revealed the extent to which he has been injured and the news is not good for Albion fans Dorishay has been ruled out for four to six months which is really sad because he started so well this season he has ligament damage to his ankle and it's requiring surgery apparently at the moment it's so bad that they were unable to scan it because it was so swollen and which gives you some idea as to the extent of the injury. Guys, this is really kind of rubbish news for Dara O'Shea and Albion. What are your thoughts about it? Yeah, it's very upsetting and it's upsetting for him as a professional because he's just coming into his own in the team, becoming that leader. On Twitter, he did uh, respond to Albion's tweet to him. He said, I'm a warrior and I'm fully focused to overcome this challenge in my life and to come back stronger, which really sums up him as a player. Last season, he was getting taken off after 20 minutes and still came on the next game and played his heart out. So I wish him all the best and hopefully he comes back quicker than four to six months and stronger. Yeah, I agree, Joe. I think he was looking the best he's been playing 
are the best I've seen of him at the Albion. So it's such a shame that he's having to cut, you know, his purple patch with an injury. I hope when he comes back, he can hit the ground running again. He's becoming quite a key figure in our team. And yeah, and I just wish him all the best. Yeah, I was absolutely good when I saw the footage of this, as I said, because it was obvious as soon as you saw it that it was a, a bad one. I totally agree with you guys. It, it seems like such a shame this season of all the other season that Darashay has been at the club and it feels like he's always had an enormous amount of potential. But then he'd be played out of position or as Joe said, he wouldn't be getting a regular run in the side or he'd be the one that would make way for changes to the shape of the team. He would always be the one that kind of fell out of favour. And so this season, he seemed to have found this central role in Valerian Ishmael's plans and for it to just kind of come undone so early on into the season. It's just a real big shame for him. Did you see the incident between him and Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah, it was brilliant when, it, when he kicked the ball away. From what I understand, he was taking ages. I didn't watch the live game. I saw the footage. Cristiano Ronaldo was taking ages setting up his ball. So what did Dara go over and do? Just kick it away. <laughs> Start it all over again. I, I, Cristiano Ronaldo slapped him as well, didn't he? You know... <laughs> Again, so much of this podcast now seems to revolve around kind of WWF. And that was a little bit of Ric Flair chops. It looked a little bit like. Ooh. Exactly. And Dara with that cheeky little nuanced back heel away. A whole lot of incidents in Dara O'Shea in that game in about 15 minutes or so. So as the other guys have said, hopefully Dara, you'll be back fighting strong. And, and I do believe that he's the kind of player who will get himself back fit and better than ever. So obviously, we've already said that it's been international break, and that's why we find ourselves navigating this torturous period in the start of the early season where club football is suspended in favour of World Cup qualifiers already. But England have been playing, and amidst England's playing, Sam Johnson has made another appearance. Now, the data and stats part of our notes has just been highlighted to me, um, and I'm going to do some very quick calculation. That brings Sam Johnson up to... Two caps for England, but also two clean sheets as well for England. Obviously, this monumental clean sheet came against Andorra. Did you guys catch the game? I didn't watch it. Had no intention of watching it, almost in protest against Southgate. But did you guys watch the Andorra game? No, I didn't watch it, but it is what it is. <laughs> it's Andorra. Fair play to Southgate for calling up, still calling up Johnston, even though he's in the Championship which he doesn't like to do unless you're Calvin Phillips. Yeah, I think it's against Andorra. They're one of these minnows, aren't they? That there's the argument, you know, whether they should go into qualifying before the qualifiers. They were just lambs to the slaughter, similar to the Albion versus the mighty Arsenal. Great word, though, minnows. Don't use the word minnows enough. So Andorran minnows put to the sword by Sam Johnson and co. Like you say, I'm not sure how much you can read into a clean sheet against Andorra, but it all counts on his record. And so out of those new stories, now we're going to emerge like butterflies into some transfer stories. Obviously with the injury to Dara O'Shea, as we just discussed, but also Matt Clark in previous games and his hamstring injury looking like it's going to see him on the sidelines for even longer than was initially expected. Albion desperately needs in some cover for centre-back and up steps Keane Bryan from Sheffield United he's signed on a free transfer I have some quotations here that I'm going to ask one of the lads if they care to read out for us about Keane Bryan a profile of Keane Bryan if you want a man with two first names Alex you have the most gravitas these are all comments that are fished out from the internet from Stoke City fans that's where he came from isn't it or is it Sheffield United well, he came from Sheffield United, but if Stoke City fans have got opinions, I want to hear them first. 
Damn, he's caught me. He's caught me in error. So the first one I've, I've noticed is plagued with injuries. He's a solid backup player, decent player, but he's suffered with injuries. He's got a huge heart. I think that's metaphorically and likes putting himself about. He's also got a good attitude. The kind of feelings that I'm getting from that and also, you know, I think it says in his name as well, he seems like quite an eager, quite a keen player. You know, he's quite, oh, he likes to... Uh, that, mate. That's very good. Like that. <laughs> took me ages to think of that. And, uh, you know, he, he does seem like he's got a good attitude, which is what Ishmael likes. We've got a good record of using historically injured players, getting them fitter and playing them more regularly, getting the best out of them. So hopefully we can do that with Brian. I mean, he's got a very good pedigree. I mean, if you wanted me to, uh, I can just go back into my corner and give you a, a few facts. Is this an early visit to Alex's research and Wikipedia corner? Right, so first of all, how tall do you reckon he is? Jamie I'm going to state on brand and historical precedent, six foot one. Ding. No way, um, yeah, yeah, really? Yeah, he fits the profile, you know, he's the perfect silhouette of a player. Um, <laughs> the algorithm has been met. So yeah, he's six foot one, he's 24 years old. His birthday's on the 1st of November. So, you know, in between Halloween and bonfire night, make of that what you will. He's a party animal, no doubt. Autumnal a, party animal. I bet when he was young, he had birthday parties. He used to have either Halloween parties or bonfire nights. Fancy birthday. dress and fireworks. That makes sense, that does. He had a loan spell at Bolton Wanderers last year where he made six appearances, scoring one goal. He's made 13 appearances at Sheffield United, scoring one goal. You know, he doesn't seem like he's been tested that much at championship and premiership level. So, you know, he could be one of these players that is still yet to reach his full potential, trying to make a name for himself, which, you know, rings true with the comments from the Sheffield United fans about his attitude so I reckon he's going to be a really good signing solid signing good backup player and who knows he might be a star player in time to come with a bit of game time under his belt well one of the things that surprised me about him I feel like I've heard his name for an awfully long time but then when you find out he's only 24 if you'd asked me what his age was before Alex dropped the knowledge on us from Wikipedia about his age I would have speculated that he was an awful lot older than that the metaphorical size of his heart rather than the anatomical size of his heart just doing its business for him inside his chest how are you doing Joe with the Keen Brian signing? Well I heard a few different stories living in Sheffield. I did ask around. An ominous start to anything you're gonna say right now. Let's just say they weren't very positive about him saying they can't believe he keeps getting moves but he's most likely going to be up in the premiership before them. I'm looking forward to seeing him. I think he'll be a good backup. He's going to have to be thereabouts at starting now. I don't know if he'll start next match because he might not be up to speed with Ishmael's tactics and stuff. He's going to have to put his worker boots on and get up to that speed and then hopefully he shows all the fans and shows those Sheffield United fans who I've spoke to who's right and I believe Keen Bryan, who has the huge heart, is right and he's going to show us and show them. For me, it's, I think it's a great signing to be able to get a player with his pedigree, although maybe slightly untested at this level and above. Considering our situation and the injury crisis we face ourselves, I thought that we'd be relying on someone to step up from the under-23s. Now, I know there's always that conversation about giving opportunity to academy players, but for me to go out there and get a player who's already an established player at another club, I feel like he'll slot well into the team. Or slotting well is probably a better way of saying that. Joe, I have another question for you. Obviously, we've already taken a, a quick trip to Alex's corner, uh, but now we visit a, a different plane of sorts, one where there is more incense being lit and totems are discussed. Joe, can you tell me 
What is King Brian's spirit animal or what mythical beast best describes the inner man of King Brian? Well, we've been talking about his heart. So I'm gonna go with man's best friend, the dog, because the heart to body ratio, mass ratio is very surprising. That and the blue whale have got the biggest heart uh, to body mass ratio. So there you go. That's what I'm sticking with, man's best friend. And hopefully he's Albion's best friend and helps us up to the premiership. Oh, nicely done. Uh, there you go. So another fascinating insight by Joe revealing the totem of King Brian to be the dog. Anything else about King Brian? No. I love that though, about the dog. What I put, animals with big hearts and then blue whales came up at first, but then he said, but the animal with the largest heart to body mass ratio is somewhat surprising for the dog. <laughs> Great heart discussion, guys. So yeah. what we're talking about next, about uh, cardiacs, cardiac oh. arrests, uh, heart attack ball. Yeah. Oh gosh, we got a lot of heart-related metaphors going on at the moment. Great, great discussion though. Great heart-related discussion though, boys. So I'm really grateful for that. And we're going to move on now to something that's really exciting, actually. A little bit of audience participation, a little bit of fan interaction. Last week we spoke about the WWE and passing things to wrestlers to strike other wrestlers with and this is kind of like our podcast equivalent of that we went out into the week and we asked you to give us some questions some chairs to fire at one another and see what we could bring out there were some unpopular opinions that were suggested and some bold and wild sweeping claims made by a few of our very dedicated listeners so we're super grateful to anyone who did get in contact with us and we'll be doing this again in future and if you do want to get a question into us you can reach us on twitter and at instagram as well and we'll do this again at various different points during the season just to pull back the curtain a little bit there for listeners now we've just quickly been brainstorming some ideas as to what we can call this next segment of the podcast we always go to different geographical locations though to discuss various aspects we have alex's research corner we have joe's and spirit animal farm but we also now need a, a questions i don't know like like desert island questions i don't know bold how about a, a dear jamie dear jamie i feel like dear jamie is lovely and i can help with your personal life and problems relationship difficulties that you're facing and you can message them and i will you know try and resolve them to the best of my ability but for the rest of the hawthorns debate club maybe dear debate club and we can discuss your bold opinions and the like and so let's get into it. WBART inspired a hero of the debate club, an absolute legend. Honestly, go and follow this guy. Not just um, a really lovely bloke by all accounts, but super talented as well. Like his artwork and his edits are really, really impressive. So definitely worth a cheeky little follow on the gram and whatnot. But he uh, he's actually given us a few questions today. So a massive shout out to him. But let's go on to his first question for you guys to discuss. And I really like this one. Obviously, recently, there's been a lot of talk. Even Valishmal has come out and spoken about Sam Johnson and a new contract. Obviously, I'll be looking into tie him up rather than lose him on a free transfer next summer. But this is the question that WBART throws to us guys. If Sam Johnson refuses to sign a new deal, do you drop him for Button or Palmer or take advantage of his ability until January? Great question. Hot questions. Any hot answers? I'll take this one for the start. 
I wouldn't drop him at all, even if he doesn't sign a contract and we don't get anybody in January. He's the best goalkeeper at the Albion. Button didn't show too much promise. He's a good backup keeper. Palmer, I think he's still a bit young. Still needs to come into his prime. Obviously, that might be out on a loan. But Johnston, we ain't going to sign anything better than Johnston in uh, January, especially in the January. It's just a bit of a fire sale, isn't it, of players that they don't want or overpriced players because they know you need a player. So I'm going to say none of those. I'd have Sam Johnston to the end of the season, even if he goes out and through. He helps us get up to the Premiership by having clean sheets or playing a blinder. Only drop him if he's crap. That's not my ideal. Thing. Yeah, I kind of I echo that sentiment, Joe. I think even if he doesn't sign a contract, he'll be playing for his next contract, whether that be a different club or our club, or he'll be playing for a move in the the winter transfer window. So I think it makes sense for both parties for him to carry on doing well for us and for for us to play him as well because he'll you know he's a top quality goalkeeper in England international. So so yeah, I, I would still like to play him. You're either whispering, Jamie, or on mute. I am on mute, unfortunately. I don't do that often, but there you go. I think for me, you play your strongest hand at all points, especially when you're looking to secure promotion. I think for me, of those three players, Palmer, Button and Johnston, he's miles ahead of the other two. The other two, definitely not bad as backup options, but for me, Sam Johnston is the clear favourite. I do understand where this question comes from, though. Because of this new style of goalkeeping that Johnston is playing under Valerian Ishmael, the sweeper-keeper, and you see the statistics out there at the moment, how many of these dashes out of the box that he makes and completes successfully. To learn how to do it, you need to be playing games regularly in order to develop the skills and then maintain the skills. My worry would be that obviously Button and Palmer would be further behind in that process now and would need even more time to get up to even where Sam Johnson is now, let alone improve on that. I guess they have to be in the team if they're going to learn it at all. The only caveat to the reason why I still wouldn't play them is I'm not sure they're the answer if Sam Johnson leaves anyway next summer or in January. I think Albion will be very much in the market for a new goalkeeper rather than relying on those two guys as well. Like that question. Top questions. We need a better like a voiceover actor to do that rather than me just saying it. Top questions. Hot top questions. So we've got another thought provoking question here just for the benefit of the listeners right now. Joe is in the dark. He's doing questions by candlelight, which is a little bit more sinister <laughs> or romantic, whichever way you want to look at it. But we have another question here. Does having the poorest passing percentage matter if we're winning games? Obviously, this question references a statistic that came out that our passing completion percentage is rather low. Obviously, the way we play involves a lot of direct football, a lot of long balls, a lot of winning the second balls. And consequently, we have a very poor passing percentage as he rightly says but does that matter if we're winning games discuss no (laughs) so not that romantic then in the candlelight but okay no No, i don't think it does especially we knew what we're getting with this football we knew it's not going to be tiki taka you know that type of football and to be honest tiki taka football is so boring this is intense it's fun. So the pass ratio for me, a lot of people look at that. If you go to Sky Sports, they'll always put it on completed passes, pass ratio and all that. But it depends on what football we're playing, doesn't it? I'm guessing we haven't had a great pass ratio at all for the last six, seven years since probably Mowbray. I don't think Slavin Village probably had a brilliant pass ratio. So I, I enjoy this football. I like the 
the terrifyingness of, a, of it over having a pass ratio above 50% or 70%. So I'm going to go with terrifying football. And that was only added to by the fact that you are illuminated by a single glow of the camp. I actually disagree with what Joe said. I'm actually, for once, this is not the the Hawthorns Agree Club. So I actually think that if you could play the style of football that we play and have, you know, 100% pass completion rate, I think you're talking like 30, 40 goals a game. (laughs) (laughs) So I reckon if we could try and bump up that pass completion, but still play the style of football that we play, I think that can only be good. But one thing I would say is that you know, I do agree with Joe that these teams with high pass completion rates, they tend to just pass the ball sideways or like between the defenders and the central midfielder. I think it's a false economy, really. I do think that in an ideal world, we'd want 100% pass completion, but each of those passes to be key passes. No, I totally agree with that. I think there are certain statistics that kind of people gravitate towards when you're talking about attractive football and possession, pass completion are kind of in that ballpark of this is the way the game is meant to be played. And I think for me, there are areas of our game that we clearly sacrifice playing the way Valerian Ishmael wants us to play. And one of those is kind of short passes casual passes across the back line to keep possession for the sake of keeping possession we're almost willing to surrender possession if there's a chance that we can get possession back further up the field and like I say I think the way we're playing at the moment where we play these long balls into the channels looking to win more second balls is even if that doesn't go right and you do lose possession the worst case scenario is the other team have got the ball back but they're 80 yards away from your goal I don't think it's likely that our pass percentage completed will improve over the season and it would be nice, like Alex said, if these really direct passes found their way home more often than not. But I think providing that we're in the top two this season come the end of it, I'll live with that percentage hanging over us like a dark cloud. I don't know why I keep whispering today. I think Joe's set a tone with his gothic look. Right, next question. Oh, another crucial question that we have to answer, again, from WBART Inspired. Really knuckling down now to the important things. Does the towel work better than a hoodie? So I've, I've mulled this over in my mind over a, a glass of whiskey for many hours. And I've come to the conclusion that a hybrid hoodie and towel, so a, a hoodie made from towel material. Oh. Now, if I was working at West Bromwich Albion, I would look at investing in towel hoodies. Towel technology? Yeah. So I'd be selling hoodies with towel material. That, that's what I would do. There you go. I think there's definitely an opportunity for like merchandising here from the club that I never really thought about until you just said that out, that they could be like supplying towels to the crowd and you could like, rather than a scarf, you know, when Liverpool do, you'll never walk alone, they'll hold the scarves that we could all be like holding up beach towels. I don't know what that would do for visibility, but it would be rather interesting for me. Funnily enough, this hybrid of hoodie and towel, I don't want to burst your balloon here, Alex, but I think that might exist. And I think it might be a bathroom product aimed at children where you put your children in a hoodie that is a towel and it dries them in a very complete way. It would be interesting to see Darnell Furlong perhaps run out onto the pitch wearing one of these panda towel hoodie onesie things. <laughs> Just all they need to do is put ideal boilers on the front and nobody will be too bothered. Joe, what do you make of it all? I think it depends what type of towel you're going to have. Is it going to be Egyptian cotton <laughs> or is it going to be a cheap one? If it's a good towel, I hope he is using like an Egyptian cotton towel and we are providing those type of towels because we've got enough money to do that. But you suspect then, that's where the Pereira money's actually gone. It might be. <laughs> I think, I think it, it has. 
you know, funnily enough, I've actually done research on the best quality towels that you can get for a reasonable value. Right, this sounds like another trip to Alex's research on Wikipedia Corner. Matalan, apparently, Egyptian cotton. They do very reasonably priced, good quality towels. So you go, Matalan, if you'd like to advertise, please get in touch. Thank you. Absolutely. Speak to our agents. Speak to our marketing department uh, and we'll make a, a way for, to get you on the podcast. So I feel like we've answered that one fairly completely. We're going to move on to some bold opinions now, some unpopular opinions. Once again, we asked you guys to submit it. Uh, and these ones, some of them were fairly bold and some of them will be quite unpopular, but we're going to give you our thoughts about them. The first one, again, comes from WBART Inspired. This one states this, and and I like this one. This is juicy. Are you ready for the juiciness? Yeah. Ready to juice up. That's a bit uncomfortable, but that's okay. Dean Garner is still a West Ham player at heart, as much as he enjoyed his time with us on loan. I honestly believe he never wanted a return, hence why we haven't seen the best of him and probably won't for the remainder of his time here. And I'm sure the injury didn't help. Dean Garner has been a topic of discussion many times on this podcast. It's fair to say whichever way you look at his potential, he hasn't set the world on fire yet this season what do you make of this whole notion that he never really wanted to leave West Ham what do you guys think I would agree with that I don't think he did I think he was sold by the owners and we saw at the time Mark Noble came out and stood up for it didn't he and he said like the owners are selling him but can you blame him he got sold under his nose yeah he enjoyed the Albion there when we got promoted but I don't agree with him saying we probably won't see the best of him I think He's a confidence-led player. A goal or two will do him a world of good. Like everybody else, he's getting used to this type of football. He's been through three managers since he's been at the Albion. So I think it's kind of unfair to say that we won't see the best of him. So I agree with Dean Garner as a West Ham player. Uh, I think that's where he started, was it, Uh, as a youngster? With West Ham doing very well last season and not doing too bad now, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? He probably thinks he could have been involved in that and he's probably still got mates there. Pulling on the heartstrings, Al, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know about that, to be honest. I I mean, he he must have had such a great time at the Albion with like Pereira and Kravinovic, you know, they had like a boys club, didn't they, in a way? You know, they, they, they seem like great friends. Like, and that, that showed with the celebrations once they, once they won promotion. I do think, I've, I've still got faith that we'll see the best of Dean Garner. I've got a sneaky suspicion that Hugo will unlock his potential because I think some of his best games for the Albion was when he was playing with Pereira and I think Hal Robson Canoe up front. I think, I think, it will, I think Hugo will will sort of play to Dean Garner's attributes, which are, he's a very technical, skillful player, can run past people and he's got a goal in him. So I've still got faith. I don't think that he'll score, did I say 30 plus goals at the start of the I season? He did, yeah. Yeah, I'm sort of, if I could cash out, I would. <laughs> I, I do think we'll see the best of Dean Garner. I think the best is yet to come. I mean, in these matters of the heart that we're discussing right now for Grady, I would suggest that perhaps he looks on West Ham as a little bit of a missed opportunity. Obviously, he hasn't hit the ground running at Albion, as I said. And I do think it probably hurts a little bit that West Ham are doing so good. I'm still not convinced at all that we are going to see the best of him. I've got to be totally truthful. I think we may have already seen the best of him. I'm not saying he's been found out or anything, but I just think he lacks so much confidence and rebuilding confidence is almost one of the more difficult things to do. 
in professional football. I mean, my hope is that he's just enjoying his time at the club and under Valishmer, we will see something of a, a regaining of form. But I have to say, as every week goes by, I'm, I'm losing my confidence that that's going to be the case. It's a bit of a, a somber note to end on. But again, another discussion about the heart. This is definitely a theme of this week's episode, Heart Matters. Let's go on. I think... I think that rounds up the kind of WBART section of the questions. We're going to move on to another one now from another great follow on Instagram. His videos are so good. And the fact that they are just live and he gives out his opinions and match reviews and match previews are always kind of... um, I'm jealous, really, of how well he does it because I sneakily have to edit some of these podcasts. But this is Tom Goth or Baggy's Bulletin as he's better known on Instagram. We have, this is his unpopular opinion, let me say it for you now. We have a better squad now than we did in the 1920, let me say that again before we start speculating about World War One. the 2019-2020 promotion winning campaign under Slav, and the fans that are moaning about the current squad need a reality check, mic drop. What do we think about that? Are we better now than under the season where we had Pereira, Kravinovic? Are we better off now? You know what I'd do? I'd walk over and pick up that mic and then drop it again. (laughs) Because I totally agree with him. You know, I think we have got a a much better squad, a better manager. I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. I think think people need to see the positives more. And it's been difficult being an Albion fan over the last year or so. And I think with Ismail coming in, some, some real hope, playing some really good football, unbeaten in five. It's a great time to be a Baggies fan. And hopefully, you know, we'll just continue that for the rest of the season. I totally agree. I think we've got a better squad. We had some better individuals like Pereira back then, but the squad is it's not, it has changed. But I would definitely like we've got uh, Mauer instead of uh, Sawyers. That's a, an upgrade there by about 200%. Not to say anything about Sawyers. He was a brilliant player when he was at the Albion, but for this type of football, Mauer is more suited. Like up top, we've got similar players and they all play well. Under Slav, they were individuals. I know there, were, there was a team ethic there and a team spirit, there were individuals like Dean Garner was a quality player. He had Pereira who was a quality player. Karinovic was a different type of player, totally. Livermore was a different type of player. They all had different, very different. They didn't blend. And I think we just had a better squad than that league. And we were lucky to go up that season anyway. I wouldn't go as far to say people need a reality check because we need the listeners all we can. So I'm not going to go as that far. But I think he's right. We do have a better squad now than we did back then. We are in a really good position this season. I think overall... Some of the players that stand out to me were involved in that Slaven Bilic side, but are now just far better players than they were back then, like your Connor Townsend, your Darnell Furlongs, your Sam Johnson. People forget, people were crying out for Sam Johnson to be dropped or gotten rid of after that season, because he had, in my opinion as well, a poor season. It wasn't until we got to the Premiership that he kind of really established himself as a great goalkeeper. And I think now, looking at the team from top to bottom, we're definitely in a good position. I think the reality check aspect of it isn't just Baggy's Bulletin kind of picking a fight (laughs) with, like, Albion fans. I, I, I kind of get it. I think the issue becomes if you don't do any business on transfer deadline day, everything suddenly sours, even though we've gone five games unbeaten in the league. Everyone's kind of like, oh, well, this isn't going to last. And then a couple of injuries come along and everyone's, panic stations but I think we're okay I think we're okay and I think that's why the reality check is simply just 
we're actually okay. Let's not panic. And let's keep ourselves calm. Potential segue into the Hawthorne's Debate Club spiritual guide there. I'm going to skip over that and go straight to a unpopular opinion that comes courtesy of Ben Howell. I believe this was by... This was in the conversation after Tom Goff's one, and he said that wasn't bold enough, so he came in with this one. So he's really kind of sticking his neck out there. Ben the Wolf Howell. This is what he said. We will win the division with a record points tally, which I believe means we would need to reach, Joe. 106, I looked it up. I think it was Reading who got 106. They've got the top. So we need to beat that. Yeah, we need to beat that. 107 points or more. Is that bold? Too bold? Yeah, I think it's bold, but it's the way I roll. I do think we will. I think we'll get 107 points plus. If you have 10 losses, you get 108 points. So we've already got one draw. So I think we can only have, is that seven losses now? Don't, don't ask us to do maths on the podcast. Yeah, man. I know. Yeah. But yeah, we're on track, I think, at the moment, because we haven't had a laugh, so we should be all right. So this isn't so much an unpopular opinion as just I don't straight think we'll up do fact. It. Yeah, I don't think we'll do it, to be honest. Okay, here's a question that I'm going to ask you two. And this feels like a kind of, I don't know how far percentage-wise we are into the season, but we kind of reach international break. We've seen the team. We've seen teams around us. Obviously, the standout teams in the league are us and Fulham. We just seem to be absolutely miles ahead. And that's not just us saying that. That seems to be a general consensus from like the national media as well. Do you think we will finish ahead of Fulham or behind Fulham? So I'll answer that, but I'll answer it in regards to Ben's question around the 106. I think Fulham may beat the 106 marker. Our first team is probably on level with their first team but their squad is much better than our squad because they've got a lot of players and they haven't sold a lot of players. So I don't think we'll finish above them. But I think we can hit the century mark and they hit the 107. So I think we'll be a lot further in front of third. I think it'll be awesome for them. So Joe says behind them, Al? I think we'll finish ahead of them. I think the thing with Fulham, because they've got so much quality, it's something called Apollo syndrome, isn't it, where you've got too much quality in a, in a team that it doesn't function well. And I, I do think as well that they've got good players, but have they got that team cohesiveness, uh, which I think counts for a lot at a championship level. And I can see them going through a bad patch at some point in the season where it's just not clicking for them and they keep trying different things with variety of players. I think they'll struggle to settle with an 11. That, that's my opinion. Um, like I say, part of it is wishful thinking as well. But there you go. Let me just drop a little bit of knowledge there because I think what Alex has said is really interesting. I've never heard of it. But the Apollo syndrome is a phenomenon where teams of highly capable and intelligent individuals may collectively perform poorly due to their inability to make decisions to develop a solution to solve the problem or work collaboratively. That's Belbin 2010. That's really interesting, actually, Alex. I've never really thought about that. I think I might agree. I think that Albion, there does seem to be a cohesiveness to what we're trying to do. There does seem to be a focused game plan that whether it works or not, everyone at least knows what they're doing. So I do think there's a fair chance that we do finish ahead of Fulham. You know what I know about the Apollo syndrome? Uh, it's basically because it's my excuse to be part of teams. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Let's kind of bring this full circle then. Yes or no? I simply need a yes or no from both of you. Are we going above 106 points, Joe? No. 
Al? Yes. Jamie? Uh, yes. Great question, though. Well, that kind of wraps up our hot questions, our top questions, our burning listener engagement. And so thank you to everyone who submitted a question. We'll do it again at some other point. Um, a lot of people have questions and stuff, but didn't get around to submitting them. Um, but we'll definitely do it again. We're going to move on to our game previews. We have a game coming up against Millwall, and that's at home on Saturday the 11th of September at three o'clock in the afternoon. They're currently 17th in the table. And before you get too excited, that's the same as Peterborough were. Uh, we all got very excited and bold about our predictions against Peterborough, only to kind of find that it was a little bit tougher than we anticipated. But they're currently on one win, two draws, two losses, six goals for, eight goals against, with a negative two goal difference. And their star man, or man or men, Benica Fobe, many people remember him, very prolific goal scorer back in the day, and he's finding a little bit of recent form. And Jed Wallace, obviously, uh, can provide a devastating set piece and whatnot. All good. First question. And probably one of the more important questions is, do we know what their nickname is? The Lions. I know the hooligans are called the Bushwhackers. And they're previously called the Dockers. These are uninspiring nicknames, can I say that? Not a patch on the Bethlehems or whatever. I wouldn't say say that against the Millwall fans. We hunted (laughs) down by the rival. (laughs) But luckily we've got Joe on our side, haven't we? That's true. In unarmed combat, uh, I know Joe's going to come out on top many times. I mean, of all the things you could say to Millwall fans, saying that their nickname is uninspired doesn't seem too hostile or aggressive, but perhaps that was. Apologies to anyone who was um, felt themselves inflamed by my comment. What do you guys make of this game? All I'd say is we shouldn't underestimate Millwall. I think they're going to be a hard, tough team. Rowett is the manager. I think he comes with a bit of uh, brute force. But yeah, I just think we don't want to underestimate. And I think that's what we went into Peterborough a bit. They probably will sit back because they're away. So it might be hard to break them down. I don't know. It's going to be one of those. I think we'll win. And I think we'll win quite comfortably. But it's just going to be one of those ones where we need to take our time. Fans need to stay patient. We need to break them down, work them out. And we'll eventually get a goal probably before half time. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to the game uh, to see. Like Hugo's had a like a couple of weeks to sort of train with Ishmael and see what he wants to get out of him. And then Callum Robinson's back from injury as well. I know we're a bit light in defence, but hopefully, you know, we'll be playing the ball, playing more in their side of the pitch. I think it'll be a, a tough test. I think it'll be slightly easier than Peterborough because Peterborough did have a fantastic home record. My tail's under my legs, so I'm not going to predict like an 8-0 victory for the Albion like I did against Peterborough. Probably more like a 2-0. A lot of people were making a lot of noise about them before the season started. A lot of people had them tipped to be dark horses and to be kind of challenging for promotion places or at least the playoff places. And I think that they really don't seem to have started with any kind of real momentum or threat at all. I think I agree with you guys. As good as I think we are and as exciting as the type of brand of football we play is, I think there are going to be some of these teams that frustrate us who are going to not necessarily be able to score many goals against us but will make it very very difficult for us to create chances by just kind of making the center of the pitch very congested and playing ugly football really to kind of combat our aggressive press so I'm I'm kind of as Alex said a little bit tail between my legs as well at the moment because I feel like I overshot the mark in my Peterborough predictions let's give a prediction for this game now, Joe, what are you saying? I think it's going to be set-piece goal galore with a 3-1 to Albion. 
I'm going to go for a 2 0. I reckon Dean Garner and Hugel. Very nice. I was going to say 2 0 as well, but for the sake of sportsmanship and competition, I'm going to say 2 1 to Albion. I think the defensive frailties that we have presently may lead to a mistake at the back that we get punished for, but I still think we'll come out on top. We do have another game as well next week, a midweek game. We're playing against Derby. Again, another team that have kind of defied expectation. A lot of people were just suspecting that Derby would not even be competitive this season. Obviously, they've got loads and loads of problems off the pitch. And obviously, people expecting them to have massive ramifications for the -the on-the-pitch performance. But that just simply hasn't been the case. Wayne Rooney has managed to churn out some really decent results, to be honest. And they've been unlucky not to have more points, apart from like a kind of disastrous stoppage time capitulation against Peterborough. They'd be even further up the field, potentially even in the playoffs of the field. Can I just ask league. Jamie, um, you just said uh, ramifications. Was that a pun intended or pun That pun intended? was not. That is, that is me just being subconsciously brilliant, actually, Alex. There you go. Natural. The, You're a natural. And that is their nickname, is it not? <laughs> yeah, the nickname's ram- ramifications, but sometimes it's shortened to the rams. That's right. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, let's quickly go. Obviously, Wayne Rooney, Derby, there's some really good players still present in the squad. As I said, they've managed to scrape some decent results out. What do you think about this? A Tuesday night fixture? What are we thinking? Oh, it seemed like a negative. I think we'll beat them pretty decently but they've got Tom Lawrence is he's a decent player championship player things what always stands out to me is previous Albion players like Curtis Davis mm. coming back to haunt us and he was good at set pieces yeah right well give us a score then I'm going to say um, 4-0 to Albion I was going to say 4-0 as well, to be honest. But I think I'll go for a 5-0 instead. I think Derby are the type of team. I think they are in a bit of upheaval at the moment. Whereas you've got teams like Millwall and Peterborough, they, they have got a solid identity, or I feel like they do. They've got a lot of young ambition. But I feel like Derby, they've got a few like older hands and they just seem to be in a disarray. And, you know, I think we, I think we can wallop them. I'm going to go for a 3-0 result. I feel like I need to see more of us against Millwall, really, before I get too optimistic again. However, I still think a victory is very much on the cards. I'm just going to quickly wrap up today's podcast with some quick-fire news stories. WBA TV Plus is now live. Something's been released on it. It's called Down the Halfers Lane or something like that, and it's about Brunty and some of the old players. Oh. Uh, apparently, that's got a, some good reviews. Oh, lovely. That sounds nice. Go check that out. Um, it, it looks like a really, really interesting development. Like we're creating this TV channel. You know, again, it's this could be something uh, with the culture that Ishmael's trying to bring and like trying to get people more engaged with the club. So again, I think it's, you know, another feather in uh, Ishmael and the club's cap. Fair play to really trying to, uh, to do something in this arena. Move over Netflix. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Give us a contract. <laughs> yeah there's an official podcast now as well i mean I, I don't want to say that i feel like we've been overlooked but if anyone from the albion's listening to this like we're here reach out to us let's get just a couple more little bits of news the albion's women team has recorded a victory against sheffield fc 2-1 joe this is not sheffield united or sheffield wednesday is it 
It is not. They're the oldest club in the world. Is Sheffield what, Albion Women's world. Team? No, Sheffield FC is the world's first football club. Is that right? In 1857. Oh, wow. I've been there. I've been to, the, uh, to see them play at home. But have you got all, a T-shirt? Uh, I haven't got a T-shirt. Armchair fan. Stadium in Drumfield. It's nice. Other news, really encouraging. Albion taking a really strong stance on a man accused of racially abusing Romain Sawyers. He has been banned for life. Good. See you later, mate. You're not wanted. Valerian Ishmael has been nominated for August Manager of the Month. Completely and totally deserved and earned, in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed, yeah. Top man. Top man adjure. No reaction from the boys. <laughs> sorry, it took, it, took, it took too long to click that did. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. It's actually getting quite late now, listeners, for us here. I think we're almost in piano bar outro music territory here to just somberly lead us into the night. I think we've said enough tonight. Agreed? Absolutely. All right. Well, if that's the case, let me just say a huge thank you to Alex. Cheers. A huge thank you to Joe. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Hawthorne's Debate Club and we'll see you next week. Bye.